Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Great conversation today with Kimberly Faith. She's an engaging speaker, trainer, coach, consultant. She brings a whole range of experience from facilitation to entrepreneurship to leadership development, communication, systems thinking, personal branding, etc. Really enjoyed talking with her. She's trained and coached over 23,000 leaders from Fortune 500 companies, including Amazon, American Airlines, uh, BMW, Boeing, GE, Kimberly Clark, Lockheed Martin, Target, etc. She's um, often speaks at workshops and conferences about leadership, employee relations, and communications. And she's made uh, the rounds uh, from the media circuit, uh, everywhere from uh, the Entrepreneurship Podcast Network, The Big Idea with Donnie Deutsch, Startup Nation uh, Radio. She's been featured in Women's Entrepreneurship Magazine, Wall Street Journal, etc. She's uh, only fair to share with you this. Uh, she's, you know, a uh, graduate of the School of Hard Knocks, as she said. You know, she's always wanted to be a writer, grew up to be a prolific writer, but she was born with a hearing impairment. She's lived through difficult family dynamics, which led to severe eating disorder. She's lost over 100 pounds. She's weathered two divorces. So she's been there. She's done that. And um, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And it was such a thrill to have Kimberly on the show. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, FreshBooks. So happy that I've partnered with them, um, have made my personal accounting for my own business. So if you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer, um, I highly suggest you check out FreshBooks. I'll talk more about them halfway through the show, but they are offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you out there. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, without further ado, here is Kimberly Faith on Dose of Leadership. Kimberly, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here, Richard. Excited, excited to talk to you. You wrote, you reached out to me just a couple of days ago, and I'm, I love the rapidity that we've been able to put this into production. So, thank you for your <laughs> your enthusiasm to be on the show. I'm excited to talk with you. Um, how did it start for you? This this whole concept of of leadership, of particularly focusing on women in leadership. How did that start for you? You know, I've always had a propensity for leadership ever since I was very young, and so I actually had the pleasure of working with a with Chamber of Commerce in my first job out of college. And what happened is I had a visionary boss and we were doing a lot of very interesting community work on systems thinking. And I met Dr. Peter Singe, who is a professor at MIT. And he actually had just written the fifth discipline and we were rolling that whole concept out in the community. So from very early on, I had this entire kind of a global perspective of how we live our lives as part of a much larger system. And that's laid the groundwork for everything I do. You know, I think in, at the risk of sounding like I'm pandering to my to my guest, but I believe this. I believe this wholeheartedly, and I've had a lot of of, of great. You know, as a father of four daughters, this is a very important topic to me. I honestly do think that women make better leaders than men, and I've I honestly think that. And again, this isn't just me sucking up to the guest because you, you know, but I honestly believe that the type of leadership that's needed today, women excel at. And I try to tell that to my daughters that, look, you just need to embrace that and stop, you know, I don't know. It, it's almost like we feel like we have to act like one of the ah. boys, act like one of the boys, I think. And that irritates me the hell. It really does. 
Well, you have stepped right into the core of a large part of my book about what I discovered. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I will tell you, first of all, I think both men and women make great leaders. I think they make great leaders for very different reasons. Part of what you're talking about, though, is the fact that in today's world, we're needing leaders to connect the dots and to see things from a much broader perspective and be able to manage a lot of moving parts all at the same time. And yes, that is what women do have a strength in. So that's what bit of what you're tapping into. Um, but I do have a lot to say about what you just said about why our daughters are believing that they have to act like the boys. Um, in fact, so much so, it's the core of my of my book that's coming out by the end of the year. We'll expand on that. Let's let's di- let's dive into that because right. it, it's really one of the it, it really is one of my pet peeves when I'm talking to my daughters. Okay, so I stumbled into this accidentally. So all these years I've been doing this, you know, executive coaching, leadership training. I was recruited to work with a company very early on to do training with companies all over the world, and. I, in 2013, I noticed something. Um, I was being called in to do more and more work with women's groups. And my goal was is to help them kind of step into their power because there, I found that there were a variety of ways that women um, did not do that. And they weren't even conscious, Richard, that they didn't do that. Yeah. And what I stumbled into was something that I now call the narrative. The narrative with a capital T. <laughs> and, all right, and the narrative is this whole story that we have been given our entire lives that this is the way we should be. This is the way the world works. This is the place for women. Um, we shouldn't brag too much. We shouldn't. And there's a whole load of things that have expectations, shoulds. And it's almost like we've been given a storybook. And now, now early on, I want you to know I've done a whole lot of research on this. Um, And in the book, I actually talk about a hundred year span, um, which is especially intriguing because I had my 101 year old Italian mother-in-law live with me for (laughs) two years. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and through that experience, I learned just how short and how long a hundred years is. Yeah. That's a whole show in itself. It's, we could probably have a whole show about that. Oh, we could have, I have so many stories (laughs) about that. Um, If you even, what's so funny, I'll divert for just a minute. Um, If you even check out my YouTube channel, channel, Kimberly Faith Inspires, I have a number of videos. And one of the videos I have the highest ratings is a story that I tell about my 101 year old mother-in-law that has to do with her folding our underwear in the house. And it (laughs) it was really funny, but just shows you that people love stories like that. Yeah, that's for sure. But when I took a look at it, um, early in the early years, there were, when I'm talking early years, I'm talking a hundred year span. There was a time when we actually, um, that, that women were, um, at a disadvantage and a number of facts. I won't spend all of our time going there, but we did have to fight hard to actually reach where we are today. Right. But the reality is Richard is that we're now at an intersection and that's what I'm, I'm almost calling an alarm to all of women to realize that we are at an intersection. Because now what I have found is that we have so indoctrinated ourselves, our girls, our organizations, and what I call the narrative, that we're having a hard time seeing past it. So how it came up was um, I was coming to speak to a women's group, and I was picked up by one of the organizers. And the entire drive, she was telling me all about how she helps this particular group because she's so upset at the statistics of 77 cents for every dollar that men make. And she spent all of her time talking about how tough it was and how hard it was. And I went, hmm. And then when I stepped into the group, I noticed a number of women were talking about how hard it is, how tough it is. And then I was like, oh my, are we stepping into something that called the self-fulfilling prophecy and we don't even realize that? Are you familiar with that, Richard? Yes. I mean, this is okay. really resonating with me. Keep going. I, I, I think okay. I know where you're going with this, but I love this. 
All right. So this is very important because I began to realize, I mean, it wasn't just that time, but I began to see women investing so much of their precious emotional bandwidth is what I call it now into figuring out that they had to be challenged and how do they overcome challenges and how difficult it was. And I saw this playing out repeatedly and I went, surely, surely this isn't the way it's happening. But then the real proof came with some of the women that I started to coach, Richard. Um, I was being brought in to work with women and I found out that most often what was in their way was their own mindset. Right. So, you know, I recognize we always have these challenges. I'm sure, you know, your daughter faces, your daughters face those. My daughters do too. I'm not, I'm not in any way um, ignoring any of that. But the, my background in systems thinking, what it's about is that as long as I focus outside of myself on them, on whoever it is that I think is the, the problem, I never make progress that way. Every single advancement that I've made myself, as well as the women and the leaders that I've coached, has been to shift their focus to the internal. What is standing in my way? Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And I think that's, I mean, and maybe that's even why I naively said that, you know, women make better leaders and, and it's, and it's not so much pitting. You're right. I, it, I would rather look at it as like, we, we all have the capacity to be great leaders. And I think you're hitting on the point that, that what irritates me the most for any individual, but I guess the, because I have four daughters and that issue, yes. like you said, it is so front and center and we've been programmed, as you said, for the last hundred years to kind of to change our paradigm and our mindset. It's yes. right. It's like when we, it's almost like you have to be, and I don't like the word selfish, but I can't think of anything better right now. It's like you have, before you can be totally selfless and add value to something, you have to be selfish and, and mm. get, get yourself right. Right. And I think, okay. I think a large part of leadership is that. And it's like, yeah, you know what? You're always going to be, I guess my point is you're always going to be faced with an obstacle, no matter who you are, whether you're, you know, and and I'm your stereotypical average white male, you know, and um, outside looking in, people are telling me I got it so easy. I'm like, well, does anyone really have it easy? You know, and uh -huh. I just I guess I'm just kind of tired of people, like you said, externalizing or rationalizing their struggles in life because of some external okay. force. Well, all right. So, you, so what you're talking about is something much deeper. So even yesterday, I was with a group of physicians, um, cardiologists, neurologists, uh, physician leaders, and we talk about this thing called the system. The system are all these tangible and intangible parts that influence us. And I actually show them how the arrows connect and how the arrows, all of that that we cannot see in the systems that we're in, it doesn't matter if it's a healthcare system, a, uh, an educational system, community system, national system, that system almost takes on a life of its own. And when we, we, so many of us don't realize that. And what we do is we look for the hero, the white knight who's yeah. going to ride in on the right. white horse to solve everything. Or we look for the victim. Who do we blame? Mm -hmm. Who do we have to blame for where we, where we are today? And the reality is, and this is deep, deeply rooted in systems thinking, um, and a discipline that has absolutely changed the way I see the world is that there are no heroes. Right. And there is no one to blame. The power lies in each one of us. And yep. so, Richard, what I love about what you just said is the fact that, you know, it really is an internal job. And, and so I like the way you point that uh, you said selfish. It's not really selfish. There's so many things I could say about that. Yeah. Um, so, so, gosh. My, my brain is just popping well, with all these ways. So many things I want I to know, tell you. I know, but you know, the, you know what I mean, right? When I say selfish, I don't, I, do. I, I don't mean because I think a lot of our behavior is selfish in the sense that, you know, what's in it for me and everything else. But it, it's, it's an internal 
It is internal. Awareness or, you know, it's it's an internal mindfulness and awareness that if you spend 80% or more of your time trying to get yourself right, and it never ends, by the way, it's not like you're fully arrived, it's a journey. Just the fact of doing that gives people around you, and I say this all the time in this show, that it gives people around you the freedom to do the same. And that is Uh. a part of influence, right? And I think that is that is a beautiful part of influence. And that's actually part of what I loved about what I even saw when I was looking at your podcast is that what you bring out, because what happens and it's actually on the cover of my book, the book for women is called Your Lion Inside, Mm -hmm. Tapping into the Power Within. And when you look closely at the book, what you'll see is almost a light radiating out from the inside. And that's what happens. What you're talking about is that when we finally do the work and we invest in ourselves to let that get everything that's in our in our way kind of uh, situated and established and we step into that strength that's inside the core of each of us all of a sudden richard it radiates out like a light and and people cannot help but follow us yep. they are drawn to us it is a power that comes from the inside agreed wholeheartedly and i think and that's why i think sometimes i see uh or i've seen great examples of leadership from women it's because they, they every great uh leader that is has been a woman seems to to grab or have this kind of natural yes. propensity towards the big picture and this natural propensity to uh I don't know I just I just think about how even in in the household and how when my wife and how my wife and she doesn't even see it in herself sometimes but how she really is the leader of this household in in so many ways and I think you know we hear these kind of traditionals like well you know I'm the man of the house need to be the leader in the house. I think in all from, from men, I think in the workplace in here is, is all we want to do is be respected, but we will certainly, you know, ac- acquiesce to, to, to kind of this compassionate big picture leadership. I mean, I'm struggling with what I'm trying. I know what I want okay, to say. Okay, I can explain it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you're intuitively know it, Richard. So you're tap dancing all over it. So I, I want to give you credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing is, and I want to I want to really hone in on what you said, but she doesn't see it in herself. Yeah. Because there is a huge amount of wisdom right there in that, that story. What happened is I discovered that there was a select set of mindsets that were continuing to stand in women's way. And so I started testing them out. I tested them out um, globally. Globally. I've tested them out across age, across race, across socioeconomic, across industries, and I found the same seven popping up over and over again. And in fact, I, I, I call them now even the sisterhood of seven, and that's what I talk about in the book, because whenever you begin to change your mindset, the very first step is becoming to become aware of what the mindset is. So I do a lot of work in mental models. Mental models are the lens through which we see the world. They're not good or bad. They simply are. But what's dangerous about mental models is when we don't realize that's what we're looking through. So I almost want you to think about putting a, putting a set of 3D glasses on. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize you have them on. And you're drawn into this story that you think that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. The power of mental models is that when you become aware of what is standing in your way and you look at it and go, oh my, is that what I've been is that what I've been living? Is that what I've been believing? Yeah. And then you switch your focus and say, I can rewrite that. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, that is exactly what you can do. You can rewrite it. And so actually one of those things that you just said, she doesn't see it herself is tap dancing on one of the seven. Um, so I'd be glad to go over any of those with you, but because they're very important. And what it is, is these stories are so ingrained in us as women. What we don't realize is that 
my, what I'm so excited about is, is inspiring women to see, listen, as soon as we realize it for ourselves, we can change it for ourselves. And then you know what? It is going to ignite like an atom and change the distortion of thought that we sometimes tend to pass down from generation to generation. Yeah. I think you're tapping into, I think a lot of what, um, when I try to communicate this with even my coaching clients, but it'd be particularly my daughters and even my wife is like, what stop? Because from my perspective, there's nothing stopping them, and right, and and it kind of almost gets watered down because, like, well, that's what dads are supposed to say. Well, that's what husbands are supposed to do and say. Okay. Well, you're right because you can't fight the battle alone, Richard. See, right. this is the issue: is that we're we are steeped in it as a culture, and that's what I want to bring the alarm for women. So look at the, every single headline that comes out about women. So I want you to know where why our daughters get these messages from other places is if you look at every headline that comes about women, they're talking about um, how our wage gap is, is so bad and how men don't respect us. I mean, you start looking and seeing every headline that comes out, every, um, a lot of blogs. Now, keep in mind, there are some things that are starting, starting to balance it, and I can certainly bring those up. But there's this collective story that has been written over and over, and we all believe that we have to tie into it. And part of what I want to alert is women is saying, folks, listen, we have now reached an intersection where we are becoming a party to the narrative. So I have an example I can give you if you like. Absolutely. Okay. So I was working with an executive who was, who, who um, I had coached successfully into receiving a, a major promotion. So please know that everything that I talk about has all resulted into serious dollars results. Um, I, I've had women that increase their salaries anywhere from 33% to 66% simply by shifting how they see themselves. Okay. So I'm about bottom line, bottom line, um, results. This isn't just feel good, do good stuff. I'm (laughs) about erasing any of that gap that we, we have been tying into. So she calls me, um, a year later and she's preparing to kick off a women's conference. And she talks to me about her opening remarks. And in her opening remarks, she starts to tell me this story about how many women are not at the CEO level and how, what the, wage gap looks like and and started to actually become part of the microphone unknowingly keep in mind of continuing the story of that women have it hard so hard and I said to her I said okay Sarah so let's think about some things why are you telling this story is and she goes well I don't really like the story but I don't know what else to say all right so this was a glaring example all right Richard you see where I'm going a glaring example of where we were so I actually said so first First of all, and, and the other thing too is she said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what I say because I'm just kicking it off. They're there to hear the speakers. And so I have to do a readjustment of her thought process, I'll call it. And I said three things to her. Um, the first thing, so Sarah, first of all, it is okay for you to own those five minutes that you have at the very beginning of the session. Um, when you shine, you give others permission to shine. Sound familiar, Richard? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. And then I said, second, um, do you... Do you really believe what you're saying? Do you think that's going to inspire them when they hear about how daunting and how difficult it is for women? And she said, no. I said, so let's rewrite the narrative. Because at that point, I was knee deep in the book. And I, the narrative, as soon as you see it, it becomes glaring to you mm-hmm. when you begin to see it. And so we talked about what's important to you, Sarah, what matters to you. And she had a story about her daughter and things like that. And we ended up writing, rewriting her opening in a place that talked about how much power women had and how they had the power to inspire their daughter. And the whole theme of the conference was send the elevator back down. And so she shared this touching story about how she teaches her daughter 
her her very young daughter to be brave, and it made her remind herself, "Is this she being brave in her own world?" Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. that was a simple example of how we we as women have become almost unknowing partners into continuing the narrative. So there's a lot that can happen with dads like you that are so dedicated and and want to share with their daughters is almost alerting them to the fact that there's a story written that we no longer have to play by. Hey, we'll get back to Kimberly Faith here in just a moment, but as promised, I want to talk to you about my partner, FreshBooks, who is sponsoring this episode. As you know, I'm always racing around the clock doing my full-time gig at American Airlines and doing my passion here, Dose of Leadership, where I'm helping individuals and organizations become that much more effective through the application of common sense leadership. So I'm always trying to wrap up different projects, prepping for a podcast, getting ready to go for a check ride for American Airlines, and of course, dealing with the family dynamics with four daughters here at home. Is it challenging? Yes, of course, but it's worth it because the life of an entrepreneur, this podcast has totally transformed my life, and my friends at FreshBooks believe that those rewards are worth it as well. Look, the bottom line, the working world has changed, and with the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for all of you out there. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of their all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned totally from the ground up, and it's custom-built for exactly how we as entrepreneurs and freelancers work. So you just need to get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. That's what I love about this FreshBooks. It's ridiculously easy to use, and it's packed full of powerful features including one of my favorites, the ability to create and send professional-looking invoices in a fraction of the time. You can set up online payments with these invoices with just a couple of clicks, and you can get paid up to four days faster. That's the biggest benefit that I've personally seen myself. And you can see when the client has seen your invoice, you can put an end to all the guessing games with their beautiful dashboard showing you which invoices are in draft, which ones have been sent and seen, and which ones have been paid. As I stated at the beginning of the show, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you out there. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And now back to the great conversation with Kimberly Faith. You know, the thing that came to mind, I was watching, I don't know, maybe a month ago, CBS Morning News or whatever, you know, with Gail King and Nora McDonald. I can't remember her name. Anyway, the two women, Charlie Rose on the show, and then they had this little segment and it was some, I don't know, nonprofit initiative. And I can't remember the guest that came on. And like, we're, we're doing this. We're making these documentary films. And we're highlighting what all these, these girls do. And, you know, and they celebrated this little 13-year-old girl doing this. And the girl pitching for the Little League. And all these little things. And it bothered me. It bothered me in the sense that it was it's still feeding into that story that you're talking about. It's like, why are we even in in it's I'm torn because we want to celebrate that, but it yes. fe- it feeds into that narrative that you're talking about. Well, the, here's the thing is that um, in the systems world, anytime you look at where you are and then where you want to go someday, okay, so where we are is the reality that there still are struggles. And, you know, we still have the issues in Silicon Valley. We still have the Harry sure. Weinstein scandal. Sure. We still have those things happening. Those things still have to continue. We have to be vigilant. However, when you look at the vision of where you want to go, where what you're saying is where it's no longer an issue, we're all celebrating each other as human beings regardless of the gender, we have to almost tolerate the tension between where we are and where we want to go. And it feels like a rubber band. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the way to shift the direction of the rubber band is to keep focusing on the forward stuff and then pulling up that that and that, that is where the the power of it goes. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, Um, because, because you're right. Because I don't want to, to your point, sorry, I I don't want to, because yeah, when the Harvey Weinstein, mess comes up but it's almost like 
and even now, and, and, and it's it's kind of it's like a guilty pleasure to hear their stories because it feeds into like, yeah, see how screwed up the world okay. really is. You know what I mean? But yes, but so here's how we can shift it. So with a dad, you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. So what it is is that we all have the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Do you catch that, Richard? The wrong what? The wrong syllable. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. What is that? All right, the wrong syllable. Uh-huh. And one shift, we're, we're talking about some of the very same things, but we have the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And let me explain. So the whole thing about what's happening with the whole Me Too hashtag, um, you're right. It, it's a, um, We need to bring awareness to that. But it still puts us in the power of a victimhood. Yes. What if, in, what if instead the hashtag had been your daughter's? Yeah. What if what if instead we had started to paint the picture of saying, Dad, listen, we really want to partner with us on this thing. Every single one of those women who said me too is somebody's daughter. Yeah. And when we begin to put it in a circular, in a secular kind of perspective, mm-hmm. we can't do these things alone. We both need each other. We both want to have these um, loving families. We want to be able to take care of ourselves and our families and our kids. And every time we make only one party to be the villain, it's not quite that easy. Does that make sense, Richard? It makes perfect sense. I mean, and, and it goes to the kind of the the rubber band tension that you're talking about because I see these stories and it just yeah it validates how screwed up Hollywood is. But then I you know when I see some of these these um, people saying, "See, it's like this everywhere," and I'm like, you know, the circles that I run in, and my father wasn't that way, uh, and okay. the people that I worked with wasn't that way. I'm not that way, and and it and it, it creates this kind of in this. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is the Me Too. In a kind of mentality of the victimhood, it creates this it, an even wider gap, and people don't know how to act around each other. Where where it's well, as simple as treat everyone with respect and tolerate disrespect from no one. It's as simple as that. Well, um, in the book, when I outline the seven mindsets, the seven sisters that stand in women's way, I've actually talked about some of the un- unintended consequences of having these mindsets, and I've talked about the unintended consequences that happen to ourselves to our daughters and to our sons. See, the problem happened in the, real- in the world right now is that we are so short-term focused that we go from problem and we go to solution. Right. Check it off a list and we go right on chucking along thinking that there's nothing else that's going to come back. In systems, one of the most valuable lessons I learned is that there is always an unattended consequence. Mm-hmm. It could be a good one. It could be a negative one, but there is always an unattended consequence. So, for example, I was born with a significant hearing Um, impairment. I wore two hearing aids much of my life. I had to learn to lip read. I had to do a lot of training in order to be able to function in the world. Well, the good news for um, that particular skill was the fact that I had to intuit. I had to learn how to exist without being able to hear every word. And what I realized is that there's great power in what we don't say, that a lot of truth lies in what we don't say. Okay. So that was the good news. And it actually has laid the groundwork a lot of my work. Now, a negative unintended consequence, well, my handwriting is lousy because I have to <laughs> lip read and I have to write so fast so I can look up again and see someone keep speaking. All right? right. So what we're talking about with some of these, so I'll give you an example. This whole issue of women, in fact, have um, one of the core, I call her Renee, the sister Renee, is I have to meet all demands. I have to do everything for everybody. That is the core of a lot of women and they spend their lives absolutely thinking they have to do everything. Well, when we first talk about that and then we say, you know, I want you to understand that you really can shift that perspective and slowly begin to take control of your own life, you can say no. You can say no to some things. And and at first that's almost I remember the first time I realized I could actually say no. It was like shocking. Really? <laughs> right. Really? And then you can actually then shift into here's what I'm willing to do. 
Um, I actually stumbled upon that by accident when I was early in my career, when I was trying to schedule volunteer arrangements. And I found out that every time some of the volunteers heard that I had a personal appointment, whether it was a doctor's appointment or hair appointment or whatever, that they, um, they felt perfectly powerful just to say, oh, we'll reschedule that. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I realized um, I can just simply call all of those important meetings just like everybody else did. And no one needed to be the wiser. So I shifted from that perspective. I have to meet all the demands from everyone all the time to say, um, I, I can, no, I'm not able to do that. I have an important appointment. <laughs> Here right. is what I'm able to do, though, and shift the perspective. You see the yeah, difference? Yeah, I completely do. And I think that it, you know, it gets even to the heart, even if I can expand it out. I mean, if you're talking about strategies in a business and a lot of times – what, what you're t- what you're getting at is that there's so much hidden power even in what are perceived yes. we- are perceived weaknesses, and they're not even I don't even like to consider them weaknesses. There's just, there's a lot of perceived power in in almost everything, and it's and it's trying to tap find it and tap into it and then unleash it, right? Yes, that is exactly that is exactly what it is. And so even on my LinkedIn, I talk about how I'm inspiring leaders to own the power they do have, because as long as you're focusing on what you don't have, you're never going to move anywhere. But exactly like what you said, I can show each one of them how much power they do have. And all of a sudden their world changes. In fact, my personal, you know, my personal acronym is I'm all about hope. Hope is the essence of who I am. But for me, hope means harnessing our power every day. Yeah. And I think it's having the awareness that no matter every single one of us, it's probably been the biggest lesson that I've had from doing this show for almost five years is it doesn't matter who you are, how much you've, you've um, achieved in significance and success. Everybody deals with this on a daily basis. I don't care who you are. Sure. And, and once I realized that it was almost, it was completely liberating because mm. it realized, and from a coaching perspective or just a leader, it, it, it taps into that emotional quotient piece, which is so critical to successful leadership. And 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 then if you realize that that is totally up to you and it's your choice, then you can put yourself in, no matter if the barbs are coming at you, you know, yes. sharp as knives, it doesn't matter because you can like, hey, you know what, what, she, what he or she is saying is making sense, even though they're calling you an idiot and a jerk and everything else, right? You, Absolutely. You can sit there Absolutely. and go, you know what, what, she, what he's saying makes perfect sense. And then you can, I don't know, does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. And so um, I learned that the hard way. Um, I I don't wish for others to learn it this hard way, but I did. So when I launched a company um, many years ago with my daughter, she was, she was uh, age six to to probably nine, 10 at the time. She became a vice president of the company. She assigned herself, by the way, right? <laughs> That's funny. And so we launched an amazing company. It was an amazing ride. I had, I had investors. I had raised somewhere between um, a half a million, a million dollars in various means of capital. We had licenses from Warner Brothers and from Disney. I mean, it was a really big deal. Well, at the end, I ended up having a, an investor who had undiagnosed Alzheimer's. We made a lot of decisions that ultimately put us in a place where we had to close the business. Oh, no. But towards the very end, um, it was a devastating time, but towards the very end, I would walk into these meetings that they had, you know, ordered me to be there, and it would be nothing but this beat-up bullying fest for a good hour and a half, and I kept walking out of those dejected. No one was looking for a solution. People wanted to simply bully me into doing what they wanted to do, even though it wasn't right for the collective good. Remember where we started? Women yeah. look out for the collective good. Mm-hmm. Well, by the third time that they ordered me to be at this meeting, I was like, why am I going in to be to bang my head up against the wall? And I stopped going to the meetings. Well, then it just got to a fevered pitch. I would receive the emails with all caps and the threats and ongoing it was. And I realized I have the power 
not to go to the meetings. And so then, you know, if you want to treat me with respect, then fine, I'll be there. But as long as you choose to treat me in this manner, I'm not going to be there. And so then they would, you know, I'm, I would get a threatening voicemail and I would always at least open the voicemail to hear if in the first 10 to 15 seconds that the attitude had changed, because I always believe there's a chance for people to, to change. But the minute I heard that it was simply the fact that they were going to be beating me up more, I would delete the email without listening, delete the voicemail yeah. without listening to it. Totally so I had choice. more yep. power than I thought I did. Absolutely. You see? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think so, that's the whole reason why we, we, you know, why I know why I do this show and why I coach and why I'm so passionate about leadership because yes. I realized how, I mean, even from myself, you know, like, wow, there's, I, you know, what even led to almost my dissolution of my marriage or even kind of my, you know, inner struggles was because I didn't realize how much influence and power that I had. And, mm -hmm. and I never felt like I was, de it was, des I deserved it, you know? And then once you realize that, look, we're all kind of figuring this out and we're all kind of screwed up and we all have these limiting <laughs> beliefs and self-doubt, then, then let's just get on with it and stop trying to, you know, do more, achieve more, just start yes. just and stop. And I hate one of my pet peeves too is like, well, my personal life or professional life. No, you have a life. Right. Yes. Yes. And the, yeah, go the ahead. divided life is one of the things that are working against us. So you're absolutely right. See, we're meant to live this life where we are complete. We're in alignment where we are who we are, whether it's at work or whether it's at home. And so one of the one of the one of the most important stories, what I realized is that when we re start to remove these mindsets that are in our way, Richard, all of a sudden what the rest of the world thinks of us isn't nearly as important as what we think for our, for right. about ourselves. Amen. Yeah. But then but then we're free to change the world. See, that's the difference. I was I was in I was outside of little little conference center outside of Paris, France in January of this year. And I was working with the whole group of women from all over the world, three days worth of training. And there was one particular woman who was from India and she had this habit of always talking over everybody until we all had no choice but to shut up so she could then speak. <laughs> it was one of those unusual habits. And by the third day, I sat down to talk to her about it. And I realized, and I all of a sudden saw in her eyes, almost the, the fear around it. And I went, oh my heavens. This is what she has to do every single day just to be heard and where her region of the country was. Yep. And she had developed that strength, that habit, just because she had to survive. And I, I walked away from that session all the way home and I realized, oh my, if those of us in the West, okay, so this even goes back to the Dalai Lama talking about he, how he believes that women in the West will be the ones who help rescue the world. I finally got it at that day because I realized that those of us as women <clears throat> and all people really, when we have the power, when we live in a country like this where we actually can, can bring great value and we can own the power that we have, if we don't find a way to do it, Richard then our sisters, our brothers, our, our other friends in other parts of the world, they don't have a chance. Yeah. And I realized it's not about us anymore. Right. It's not about us giving into the insecurities and the victimhood and all these things that are holding us back. Humanity needs us to be our full self and bring everything that we have to the table because there are too many people that need us. And I love that you said that. I mean, that really is the obligation. I've said that on this show before, and, and that, that opened my eyes to... Um, something I already believe, but it but it just became even that more deeper from what you just said. Because you're right, it's it's um it is an obligation, and I think that's why leadership is so it's important. It's a privilege. It's a pri it's, it's a, a privilege. privilege. Yeah, that's even better. So great, yes, yeah. great power in our words, and when we all have to be kind of mindful, our words, Richard, are almost like the um are like DNA that create our reality. Mm -hmm. Obligation brings almost a sense of pressure. It is our privilege. It yeah. is our privilege to be exactly who we are 
who we are meant to be so that we can begin to influence and others in a positive way. And well, that's what keeps me going. That's what puts me on airplanes. That's why I'm here getting ready to head to the airport to head to Singapore. That's why I do what I do, because I see those light bulbs pop on, pop on all over the world. I, I, that totally resonates with me. I agree. And, and even as I'm trying to, you know, even I can tell you, even having this conversation, it, it's given me just that much more clarity about why I do what I do. And, um, you know, it's I was. <laughs> I met a guy, had lunch with him the other day. He's like, oh, I heard that you're a motivational speaker. I'm like, no, no, I'm not a motivational speaker. I, I mean, I, don't, I can't really motivate you to do anything, but I want you to become aware and more self-aware of, of, of the unlimited potential that you have, you know? And if that, well, what I say motivates Richard, you, then I guess, but yeah. You know what, Richard, someday I'll look forward to, we can continue our conversations, but someday I look forward to the fact that you go, yeah, this is where I've been called to now and it is really cool. And let me show you yeah. how you have so much more to offer than you even realized, just like I did at one time. Yeah. We yeah. don't have to make ourselves small to make other, someone else feel bigger. Gosh dang it. You and, know, you're so right. And then, and we do it all the time. I do it all the time. We do. We do it all the time. So when I travel, I run into this all the time. I will have somebody who's checked me in and they're asking me about what I do. And they're like, oh, wow, what you do is so important. Insinuating that what they do is not. And I, what I've learned to do every single time is look at them and say, please understand. I have this privilege to do this, but I want you to know I can't do what I do if you're not doing what you do. What you do is every bit as important as what I do. And I have these conversations with the cab drivers that I bump into, with the airline reservation agents. We are living in this era that we think we're each so small. And so when you look at the cover of the book, Richard, I want you to think about mm -hmm. that. We are living small like we are cats when we have the strength of a lion inside to change the world. We don't each have to be small. When I grow into the fullness of who I am, you can grow into the fullness of who you are. Please hold my hand and let's go there together. I love it. I love you. I love, I'm so looking forward <laughs> to this book. I mean, you're pretty much, um, have written the thesis and, and, and the whole mission behind the whole dose of leadership. I mean, I, I really love this conversation. I'm, I'm, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Kimberly, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I knew when you sent me that email four days ago that this would be a kick-butt conversation, and it certainly has. <laughs> well, and we just got started, so I hope we'll I have know. a chance to have them again in the future. And For please know sure. my friends my friends are certainly welcome to call me Kim. I answer to both, but um, you're now crossed over into the friend, friend lane, Richard. <laughs> oh, so perfect. we have great work to do in the world, and so I look forward to how Yeah, that there's so many things I want to talk about. And what again, what I love about you is your authenticity, your vulnerability, your courage. Uh, you put it right out there and we didn't even, you, you talked about some of the in, in the mud moments that you've shared, you, you share it with the world and you understand that, that the mud moments have, have created uh, mm. who you are today and, and, uh, and then embrace it. it and, and I'm looking forward to this book. Uh, it's called your line inside tapping into the power within. Uh, when is it? It's pre-order now, or when is it coming? Uh, no, what I um, you know what? If I had met my deadline when I first thought I was going to publish it, I would be able to do pre-orders. But I learned from Amazon: once you miss that deadline, your hand gets slapped. Uh -oh. You can't do it until you actually release it. So it's coming out by the end of the year. Very It'll good. be out in December, and then I have another book shortly coming after that for both men and women that I've co-authored called "The Miracle of Change," um. all based on some of the very same principles. I'm out to inspire my friend, and it keeps me up at night and wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am a dedicated fan. And like I said, you always have a welcome home here. Um, how can people find more about you, learn more about you, connect with you? 
Sure. Um, I, I'm all, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's a wonderful place to reach me. So Kimberly Faith, and um, you'll see you'll see me. You can also check out my website, but it's in the middle of also being redone. So that'll be more next year. But find me. Um, they also can email me, Kim at KimberlyFaith.com. Um, I am truly on a quest to to change the world and uh, one person at a time. And I'm going to take down this narrative one brick at a time if that's what I spend the rest of my life doing. Well, consider me a lieutenant in that army, and I'm so honored to have you on the show. I look forward. To, you're definitely coming back. There's so many things we can explore. So again, there's uh, a lot uh, more. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Thank you, Richard. I really genuinely appreciate the opportunity, and I appreciate what you're doing in the world. Thank you, and, and so honored to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.